Good morning, combatants. This is your host, Zach, and welcome back to Enter the Nether Realm. So, hope you all have been doing well. I've been doing pretty well. Uh, if, you, if you're watching on the actual video version, the Jukes or YouTube, as you can now see on the left side of the screen, I've got the little things there because it occurred to me that the people who are watching might not quite realize, like, oh, wait, I can listen to this as a regular-ass podcast. So, here you go. You can listen to it on iTunes and Spotify, so keep that in mind. In case you were like, oh, man, this animation's cool and all, but I'd rather just have it in my pocket and just be able to listen to it while I'm working or whatever, right? So I'm going to start off today's show with a... Combat alert! Yes, that is right. Another combat alert, also known as a Mortal Kombat news update. At the time of this recording, last night, there was a very potential tease to the next Mortal Kombat game. Which we all kind of knew was happening, but it's good to have confirmation, right? From IGN.com, Johnny Cage actor might be teasing Mortal Kombat 12. Andrew Bowen, the voice actor for Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat series, I believe he started in 9, maybe X, I don't quite remember, is back at the lot of Warner Brothers for something. In a now-deleted tweet, Bowen shared a video of the voice actor standing at the Warner Bros. studio lot before staring at the camera with a mischievous grin. It's the latest in the series of tweets that Bowen has made sharing online of him working on something at a Warner Brothers lot. Hmm. Isn't that a coincidence? And also, what do we know about deleted tweets? If something gets deleted, pulled, claimed, whatever the fuck, that usually means it's correct or true or whatever you want to say. Fans have been quick to point out that this is yet another tease for the next Mortal Kombat game, which has been not so subtly hinted at over the past year. NetherRealm Studios' Jonathan Anderson previously shared a photo that included a desktop file reference to Mortal Kombat 12. I'm excited. While NetherRealm isn't revealing what is in store, it has confirmed that there is a new game in the works. Of course there is, but... They're a business. What are they going to do? Just sit at home on their asses? I mean, they could, but that's not very good business. While NetherRealm still isn't revealing what it has in store, as confirmed there's a new game of the works, when IGN interviewed NetherRealm creator Ed Boone, he had no issue confirming the team another the confirming the team is working on another game, though he is not able at liberty to say what it is. Probably Mortal Kombat 12, but... All that being said... Hey... Work on another game. And if uh, my hunch or my pitch for today or my idea for today is correct, then the actor for Johnny Cage might not have to be showing up to record Mortal Kombat. What do I mean? Well, let's find out on this episode of Enter the Nether Realm. Enter the Nether Realm. So, also, speaking of the Johnny Cage thing, and on the topic of the Johnny Cage thing, possibly Mortal Kombat 12, who knows? Uh, if you haven't checked out my episode 3, which I think is, personally, I think my favorite episode so far, uh, Mortal Kombat 12, Predictions, Hopes, and Fears. 
Uh, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to that one. If you are getting excited for Mortal Kombat 12, hearing about Johnny Cage getting back in the studio, just getting all hyped up, like, oh, man, what's, what's going to be the next project? Is it going to be Mortal Kombat 12? Is it going to be Justice 3? Let's find out. Uh, feel free to go over and check out the uh, yeah ETN episode 003, Mortal Kombat 12, Predictions, Hopes, and Fears. Give that a listen if you haven't already. So, on today's episode of Enter the Nether Realm, we're going to be talking about something that I have not talked about pretty much at all yet, which is Injustice. Specifically, Injustice 3. What it could be. Somewhat similar to my um, Mortal Kombat 12 predictions, hopes, and fears. But not quite. This isn't going to be a straight up, like, here's why things are going to happen, here's what I hope will happen, blah, blah, blah. This is basically me going... Okay, so if I was in charge, if I was the creative director and I had the final say on Nether, Insta, on Instagram 3, what the hell, on Injustice 3, this is kind of what I would do with it, right? So, uh, there's going to be three main topics, or three main points, which is going to be the story, the roster, and other stuff. So... Let's start off with the story. A real quick little recap for all of you who might not remember or maybe never knew what the uh, story of Genesis 1 and 2 was. If you're, you know, hypothetically speaking with the announcement of Genesis 3, you're like, okay, I'm going to jump in now, right? So, story of Genesis 1 is very simple. Between the comics, the movie, and the game, you're probably familiar with it. The story begins with the Joker having kidnapped Lois Lane and sending both Batman and Superman on a frickin' goose chase to try and find her. Eventually, Superman does indeed find the Joker. But there isn't Lois. There is Doomsday. And Batman's like, or not Batman, Superman's like, oh, Joker, what the hell, how'd you get Doomsday to fight with you? Well, whatever, I'll kill Doomsday, and then I'll kill you, right? Or whatever. And he attacks Doomsday and kills Doomsday, and it turns out it wasn't Doomsday. Because, you see, the Joker had gotten him his grubby little hands on some fear toxin. And what Superman thought was one of the greatest threats to Earth was actually his pregnant wife, Lois Lane. And also, in the course of this, Joker tricked Superman into setting off a nuclear bomb that blew up Metropolis. Now, Superman had the reaction that you would assume that he would have. He flew over to where the Joker was being held in a cell by Batman, and he punched his fucking fist through his chest. He being Superman punched his fist through the Joker's chest and killed him which I personally think is a perfectly reasonable response. From there, Superman starts to become a pure dictator, grieving with, through the loss of Lois, and now having that just taste of blood. So he decides that, alright, Justice League has a new freaking deal. We are going to stop all criminals and all crime before it happens or as it's happening. And the punishment for pretty much any crime is death. Over the course of the story, there's, you know, certain characters go with Superman, certain characters go with Batman, because Batman is obviously 
the complete total moral opposition to this ideology. Eventually, they, they realize we can't beat Superman. Not like this. So, Batman, through various means, calls upon the heroes, the Justice League, of another multiverse, or another universe, to come and help fight Superman and all of their Justice League members that have broken bad. And also Doomsday shows up. But Doomsday is pretty much just, he's not really important to the actual story. So, blah, blah, blah. Super, the good Superman from the other universe beats up Doomsday, kicks him out, and then he has to beat up evil Superman. They then, obviously he then beats up evil Superman. Uh, him and Batman then take evil Superman and lock him up in a just giant freaking red kryptonite gas chamber. Where it doesn't kill him, but it just keeps him weak forever, pretty much. And they go around and they arrest all of the evil members of the Justice League. And that's pretty much the story of Injustice 1. Injustice 2? Brainiac's here. Dun, dun, dun! Brainiac is making his way across the universe, and shit starts going down in a bad way. It is eventually decided, after a bunch of bickering and fighting, Son of a bitch... We need Superman. So, they let Superman out, or Batman let Superman out after a bunch of consternation. And everybody works together to take out Brainiac. At the end, as you can imagine, sides are taken. Some people think that Superman should be able to take control of Brainiac's ship and control, and basically just be in control of the whole universe. And the other people think, fuck, that's a terrible idea. So, the two sides clash. Two sides really being Superman and Batman. Batman, you know, armed with all kinds of kryptonite, golden kryptonite, green kryptonite, all kinds of stuff. Everything he needs. And this is actually the one, or the first uh, freaking Injustice game, to have two different endings. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to go with the Batman wins ending because Batman always wins, right? So I'll start with the Superman wins ending, which is if Superman wins, then he kicks the shit out of Batman and he's like, should I kill him? Nah, I'm not going to kill him. I have a better idea. I'm going to take over Brainiac's ship and I'm going to brainwash that bastard. And so he, Brainiac, controls Batman. And he locks Supergirl up in his little red kryptonite jail so that she cannot interrupt. Again, that's the very bad ending, so I'm assuming they're not gonna, the, that they would not, in Injustice 3, go with that ending. The other ending, which is, if obviously, if Batman beats Superman, then it's a very simple ending. They take Batman to the, the, the what's it called? Fortress of Solitude. Where they, you know, just fucking irradiate the shit out of him with some kryptonite. They open up a portal to the fucking Phantom Dimension, and it's like, alright, bitch, get in there. And he just waltzes his happy ass right into the Phantom Dimension. Presumably, into the sequel. So, yeah. Again. There is, that is the gist of the story of Injustice 1 and 2. So now, what would happen in Injustice 3? My version of Injustice 3. We're going to start at chapter one, and then just kind of fill it in from there. Chapter one, playing 
as Batman. Everything is normal in Gotham City. Batman is running around with Harley and the now-reformed Robin. Bane is knocking over a research facility, allegedly because he's running out of venom. Batman and crew beat the crap out of him, only to discover a Riddler question mark inside of the vial that Bane was fighting over. Did he know it was there? Who knows? Inside is a riddle. Batman shakes his head again and is like, ah, this again. All right, Robin, you take care of Bane. Make sure you get some cuffs on him. Harley, come with me to investigate. He reads the riddle and appoints him to another biological research facility outside of Gotham. Harley and Batman go to the lab, and of course, there's Dr. Jonathan Crane making a bunch of people crazy. Batman and Harley put on their little gas masks. Harley very gently beats up all of the incensed scientists, while Batman goes after, after Dr. Crane. Batman chases Crane into a room, but Crane disappears, and out of nowhere comes Cyborg, screaming something about parademons, and, think, and turning to Batman being like, Oh God, it's Darkseid! and trying to kill him. Batman, in this moment of madness and panic, is forced to knock out frickin' Cyborg. After a minute, after he, you know, makes sure Cyborg's not dead and all that, Dr. Crane dons his scarecrow mask and attempts to rip off Batman's gas mask. But Batman is able to take him down and knock him out. Unsurprisingly, in the next room is another message from the Riddler, and it points him to a cemetery near Metropolis. Batman tells Harley to get Scarecrow out of there and make sure that Cyborg is feeling okay. Batman is now on his own. On his way to the cemetery, but not before he reaches out to Batgirl, who, unbeknownst to the audience, has been keeping tabs on the Riddler. He asks her if she knows where the Riddler is. She says, you know, she blah, blah, blah. I, ha I knew he was here at this point. However, he left, and I knew he was blah, blah, blah. And I'll see if I can find some more stuff on him. Batman's okay, cool, keep me updated, right? Batman arrives at the cemetery that he was pointed to and begins to look around. Around the middle of the cemetery, he finds a mausoleum that has a huge green question mark on it. Of course, Batman smells a trap and point pulls out a little doodad to scan the mausoleum first before attempting to enter. His hunch is right, of course, as mid-scan, Solomon Grundy! bursts out of the mausoleum, almost entirely destroying it, and tries to kill the Batman. Fighting ensues, and Batman is able to overcome and subdue Solomon through sheer force of will, and obviously fighting him. Batman then proceeds to investigate the scene. He's looking around the mausoleum, he's looking around the graveyard, he's like, ah, what the hell, there's no riddle, this doesn't make no good sense. Until he looks over at the face-down, knocked-out Solomon Grundy, and he sees... A little something green poking at the bottom of his uh, little shirt vest jacket. Batman cuts the shirt open to reveal that painted across Solomon Grundy's back is the next riddle. Batman reads it, thinks about it, and he tunes where to go, which is an old prison in Metropolis. He wrist calms Robin and Harley, sending his coordinates and telling them to come with the bat jet and put Grundy in a cage. This all sounds like pretty basic Batman stuff right now, right? I thought this was injustice. Where the hell, why the hell are we playing a Batman game all of a sudden, right? Well, inside the prison, Batman is once again alone. Fearing that this is likely some sort of trap and he doesn't want to uh, drag any of his, you know, loyal wards into the line of fire. Obviously there is a trap. Duh. 
Inside the facility, there are a bunch of different prisoners hooting and hollering at Batman. None of them particularly recognizable. Maybe like Calendar Mancer or something. I don't know. But no guards for some reason. Huh. Funky. Suddenly, from the vents, fear toxin. It seems the Riddler was indeed working with Scarecrow. And Scarecrow might have let him borrow some stuff, right? Batman reaches for his gas mask, but it's too late. He's already been infected by the fear toxin. All the doors, or all the cages open, the cells, whatever the hell you want to call them. And surprise, surprise, suddenly his Batman is swarmed by the Joker. Batman has to then fight off like a half a dozen or a dozen, obviously, underpowered Jokers. Before, the Riddler himself appears up on a projector, up on the wall on the far side of the room. Well, 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 Batman, you have done such a great job so far. Although it took you longer to reach here than I would have in your shoes. But I can't blame you. I know your mind isn't as powerful as mine is. Batman tells him to cut the shit, and Riddler nods and goes, Okay, fine. But how about one last riddle? I'll even make it easy on you. The Riddler taps his fingers together. Who needs friends when you have an enemy like me? You thought I was nothing more than a phantom, but I am doing super. Who am I? Suddenly, Superman bursts through a wall and snatches Batman by the throat, lifting him into the air. Batman, fear in his eyes, but then he resolves himself. You're not real. I know this is just the fear gas. Superman smiles and shakes his head. Oh no, I am very real, Bruce. And with that, Batman realizing, oh, shit. He punches his fist through the Batman's chest, just like the Joker. Back to Batcave. Harley, Robin, and Batgirl all sitting around, all pickled, tickled pink at their so successful day of vigilantism and beating up freaking mentally disabled people, right? They're waiting to hear back from the Batman. They expect it to not be any time no- or to be any time now. Alfred is bringing down a plate of tea in little crumpets. And suddenly, the main monitor in the lab begins blinking, and a warning siren begins blaring. Batgirl stands up and presses a button, then types in a password. On the screen reads... Batman, vital signs, heart rate, BPM, brain activity, unresponsive, assumed status, killed in action. Replaying final recording before reading. Suddenly up on the monitor, replays a first person, uh, first. Suddenly up on the monitor, a first person view of the last 30 seconds of what happened to Batman, including Superman tossing Batman to the ground and showing how Superman's arm is bloody all the way up to the bicep. Alfred drops his tray. Harley starts crying. Robin gets angry. Batgirl's in shock. And before they can finish really reacting and taking what just happened, Batcomputer chimes in again. Facial analysis recognizes the offender to be Batman, also known as Clark Kent or Kal-El. If correct, please confirm identity then open file. BP241. Batman is, uh, Batgirl is the one to pull herself together, put in her credentials, and open BP241. Inside of the file are a bunch of documents and a video that reads Watch First. The title is Watch First. 
She clicks the video, and there sits, sits Bruce Wayne at the computer speaking into webcam. While still diddling on his computer and looking around. If you're watching this, that means that Superman has escaped the Phantom Zone and has killed me. Given our recent past, I could only assume that this would be his first action. I have planned for Superman's return diligently and anticipated most scenarios to begin like this. So whoever's watching this, Damien, Harley, Barbara, Dick, Alfred, I hope you're safe. And these files is a meticulous and detailed plan as to what you can do to prepare, the tools at your disposal, and the things that will give you the best possible chance to fight back against Superman. Please, examine these carefully. I regret that my responsibility falls to you now, but I have confidence that you'll do what it takes and be successful. Goodbye. The final words from the Batman. Straightforward, but still human. From here, the story is about, you know, the Batman cabal, assembling a team and acquiring the weaponry needed to take out Superman while doing their best not to face him head on. It's revealed how Superman got out of the Phantom Zone and how and why he teamed up with the Riddler. Because Supes knows that exactly what Batman is capable of when he knows what is coming. With time to prepare, as it were. So, teaming with the Riddler? Obviously, why the hell would Batman assume that Superman was going to show up? If freaking Wonder Woman started running around and being Wonder Woman, or if Superman just started flying towards the Batcave, who knows what Batman would have had ready, you know? Along the way, the three Batman alumni, Harley, Batgirl, and Robin, all have to, you know, learn to work as a cohesive team, and blah blah blah. Robin's loyalty is tested along the way, as is Harley's resolve to keep Batman's wishes and not kill anybody, and of course, Batgirl's leadership. In the end, it ends with a, with a clash like the previous two stories. Only this time, it's a handicap match of Batgirl, Harley Quinn, and Robin, decked out in kryptonite gear, versus Superman. If Superman wins, he kills all three of them and becomes the supreme dictator of Earth, personally executing every single person who opposed him or supported Batman and initiating a hunt for the rest. If the gruesome threesome wins, Superman's down at their feet, defeated and embarrassed. Batgirl tells him that we're going to take you somewhere you can never hurt Earth again. You know, Bruce, he prepared a kryptonite frickin' holding cell that will then put you in and throw you in a volcano and you'll stay there forever. But suddenly, Azrael comes out of nowhere and skewers Batman or Superman through the neck with a kryptonite blade. All three, obviously, killing Superman. All three of them yell at Azrael like, what the, what the hell, dude? That's not what Batman would have wanted. Azrael simply replies, Batman is dead because of him. And now he is dead. Because of me. The world will never fear Superman's wrath again, and now you may sleep with a clean conscience tonight, as you had no hand in this. Goodbye. You're welcome. And maybe even like they arrest him or something. So on and so forth, right? But with that, Batman is dead. Superman is dead. At least in the canon ending, because the Superman winning is never canon, you know? With that, the story of Injustice comes to its end. Or does it? Who knows? Injustice 4, fucking resetting the timeline. Maybe fucking 
I don't know, maybe a freaking Alfred comes through a time portal. It's like, oh, man, the death of Batman and Superman ended up freaking allowing Bizarro to unlock his full potential. And now we need to do the MK11 thing where it's timelines clashing together and shit. Who knows? I don't know, right? But that is the obviously very abridged version of what I would do for the Injustice 3 story. Just start it off with a fucking bang. Superman, boom! Kills Batman. Done. Batman is dead. Fucking now what? Because Batman was obviously, and in the comics and in the movies and in the other games, Batman is the straw that stirs the killing Superman drink, right? Or stopping Superman drink, right? So what the fuck do you do against Superman when Batman's not around? Well, obviously, you know, and that's it's kind of a cop-out because Batman would still be the one pulling the strings and shit with, uh, because he's the one who left behind instructions and shit on how to take care of Superman and all that. But obviously, you know, he's still not around. So, yeah. And then maybe Super- and then possibly Superman just straight up dies at the end. So, may- or script, maybe just an Injustice 4. Maybe now it's Wonder Woman trying to take over the world. She's not as powerful as Superman, but you never know. So, yeah. That is my pitch for what the, or my, if my version of what the Injustice 3 story would be. How do you feel about that? I think it would be great. So next up is the roster. So we're going to start off... Here's the deal, right? We're going to assemble a roster of 30 characters plus 4 DLC characters, right? That's what we're going to go with here. Because that's approximately the standard for an NRS game like this, right? They've been doing more DLC characters over the years, but I've only got so much time and I'm not going to try and predict everything, you know? I'm not going to try and... This is my version of the game, right? 34 is a pretty solid number, I think. First off, there's the very obvious gimme characters, you know? Characters that you don't even have to play the game to know. Characters that, when Injustice 2 came out, you knew that they were going to be Injustice 3, you know? So... The first obvious, the the gimme characters here, obviously, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Joker, Harley Quinn, Bane, Robin, Cyborg, Flash, Catwoman, and Super, Supergirl. Well, Supergirl is the, I guess not the biggest stretch, but the, the only real outlier here because she was the only one that wasn't in the first one. She was such a big BFD in two. And especially with my story of Batman being dead, they would definitely need her kind of her brawn to help fight Superman in three. So she would definitely be there. So that makes fourteen members of the roster that are they, they kind of have to be there, right? So now I must come up with sixteen more members of the roster that I think would be good good fits, plus four additional DLC characters. So number fifteen would be. Peacemaker, Mr. Jonathan Zenithan himself. Between the su- the Suicide Squad, the Peacemaker show, and again, having John Cena on board, I would be very surprised if Peacemaker didn't make it into the game. He's a fun little character. I'm sure that you could have all kinds of, especially with and his personality in the Peacemaker show, you could have fun with him just shit-talking the other ca- superheroes. And he could put, play like, you know, I imagine he would play kind of like the Punisher. And, of course, he would have the helmets with the superpowers and maybe even, like, 
with the gear system, that would actually work really well because, like, this power gives you a pulse. This power, right? Also, you haven't seen the Peacemaker show? Go watch it. It's actually pretty good. It would prepare you for Injustice 3 because this is the game that's coming out, obviously. Next, on the Suicide Squad uh, payroll wagon situation, Bloodsport. The token really good shooter man, right? The first one had Deathstroke. The second one had Deadshot. And now after the Suicide Squad, it would be Bloodsport, I imagine. I also like to think that or I, he would also have Polka Dot Man and King Shark as strikers kind of characters. And or at least part of his super, right? They would basically be his built-in assists. I kind of considered, uh, I'm going to spoil it right now, I didn't put King Shark in here as his own character. Because I feel like that might be leaning a little, it's like, the Suicide Squad wasn't that much of a success. Like, it was good. People liked it. But because it came out during the whole, you know, that whole thing, it was one of the first movies to come back to theaters. It didn't light the world on fire, you know? So I think putting four different uh, The Suicide Squad characters in the game might be pushing it a little, you know? And also, with Bloodsport in that role, and again, the gear system, I would also have a gear, piece of gear that you could unlock through some kind of somewhat, not nefarious, but like obscure means that would be old eye patch. And with that piece of gear, you could put it on, and boom! Bloodsport becomes Deathstroke. Just like the Robins, the Nightwing staff in Injustice 2, where it turned Robin into Nightwing. Just put on the old eye patch, boom, you have Bloodsport now. Or you have Deathstroke now. Two characters in one. Everybody wins. Actually, it'd be kind of like four characters in one because King Shark and Polka Dot Man. I still kind of would like to see King Shark, but if, I, if I'm going to pick them, obviously Peacemaker, and then Bloodsport makes sense, and obvious shoot in Shooter Man, and then you have Harley Quinn, who has to be there. <laughs> Next up, number 17, Martian Manhunter. Bring him back. He was in DLC in one. He was completely freaking missing in two, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember him being in two. Even in cutscenes, I don't think. I know for a fact he wasn't playable in 2, but I don't even remember him being in cutscenes in 2. With Batman gone and Superman on the loose, the heroes are really going to need Martian Manhunter on their side for this one. Number 18, Solomon Grundy. I just missed this big, hulking bastard. Please let him return on a Monday. I miss this big, hulking bastard. Let's have him be... Returned on a Monday. Solomon Grundy was one of my favorite characters from Injustice 1. And I think that you can never go wrong having a bunch of big Hulk and Mother, Mother Fletches around, alright? Number 19, Black Adam. With the upcoming movie and his previous inclusions, it would, it would be very dumb to not have Black Adam in the game. And again, with the movie coming out, maybe you can even get Dwayne in there. I mean, Vin Diesel's doing all kinds of stuff, and they're often compared. Like, like Vin Diesel's going to be an arc now. And I imagine, again, if they got Peacemaker, they'd probably get John Cena. Maybe get frickin' Dwayne in there as uh, frickin' Black Adam. That'd be great. You would sell copies of the game just based off the fact The Rock was in it, all right? So let's, let's not frickin' mess around here. Next up, Batgirl. I mentioned that earlier. She's in the story. With Batman's death, all of the Bat crew are going to be showing up in force. She missed two. She was in one as DLC. It's time for her to make her canon story debut, in my personal and ever-so-humble opinion. 
21, Scarecrow. One of the most interesting characters in the history of NRS. Scarecrow is a joy to watch and a very interesting one to play. You can do so much fun stuff with Scarecrow because pretty much any time you fight him, the whole thing is you're hallucinating everything. So he can just kind of be whatever he wants to be. He can be a titan, he can be a god, he can be a demon. He can transform, he can freaking take on Superman, you know? Because everyone's hallucinating. So yeah, Scarecrow is a really cool, really awesome addition to 2. And he should absolutely come back in 3. Next up, Blue Beetle. He wasn't the most exciting in Injustice 2, but he has some potential. He's got he's got a decent little set. He's friends with Batman, and he seems like a good character that you could have Superman rip in half to help freaking uh, boost the stakes of the story. So, yeah, Blue Beetle. Number 23, Farley Fleeter, a.k.a. Madman. One of Blue Beetle's only real, actual dedicated enemies and probably the most actually not even probably without a, the most obscure character on this list but hey that's that's been part of the fun about injustice is bringing in the some of the most obscure mfers in the dcu for the most part he's definitely an interesting looking guy uh he might have a fun little move set he might not be the most exciting in the world but hey he might also you know maybe somebody would freaking end up winning evo with him you never know but I think it would be an interesting addition to the roster, if not just for the sake of having a super obscure freaking weirdo that no one's ever heard of before, right? Number 24, Poison Ivy. Another Batman alumni who had a pretty damn legit appear uh, presence in 2. Not so much in the story, kind of in the story, but more so like in terms of her character and her play style and all that. Little explanation needed here. She's a Batman alumni. She's pretty cool. She She does well, right? Number 25, Lobo. Again, you can tell I'm pretty hardcore on the Injustice 1 DLC here. Because there were some damn good picks. And they weren't, like, again, they didn't even appear in Justice 2 as cutscenes. And we all know how, how Ed feels about bringing, them, bringing back DLC characters in the next game. So that makes sense. But here we are, two games later. Shit's hitting the fan. Batman needs somebody that can fight him. Maybe Lobo can help. I just... Everyone loves Lobo. He's awesome. Bring him back. Number 26. One of the most underrated Superman villains. Livewire. Not as, she has not had a lot of play in the Injust... Not in the Injustice. In the mainstream as the likes of Lex Luthor, Bizarro, all those guys. And uh, she debuted in the Superman animated series, you know? So, on in a game where... Oh, yeah, no. This is... Superman might be about to take over the world because our best defense against him, Batman, is dead. It would make sense if they were to, you know, corral one of his greatest villains, Superman's greatest villains, to the good guy's side to try and take him out. And again, she's got the the whole electric shocky powers thing, so she could be kind of like a like a Raiden or a you know one of those characters. Number twenty seven. Amazo. Personally, I don't particularly like Amazo that much. However, he is a relatively big villain in both Superman and Batman lore. A powerful foe to the highest tier of heroes. And this hulking robot would make a pretty good fit for the game. Again, especially going back to the gear system. Like, Amazo looks com pretty much completely different in every uh, rendition of him. Like, his head's different, he has different ears, different eyes, 
Like, he's generally like big MFR with ginger hair and green pants, right? But he's got a lot of original looks. And I could totally see them bringing in Amazo to try and take out Superman, or maybe even Superman freaking having him reprogrammed and having him fight on his side. Amazo would be another big MFR that would fit pretty well in the setting. You think he'd have a? I think he'd have a pretty good fighting style. I think Amazo would be a good addition. Number twenty-eight, another relatively obscure one, Donna Try, also known as Wonder Girl. Have her debut in Injustice Three. Have her play the whose side is she on role. And however it turns out, I think that Donna would make a welcome addition. Very similar to Wonder Woman, but not quite the same. Have her be like that. I don't know. I just think that Donna Troy would be a cool addition. They could they could definitely whip up a moveset for her. And again, another pretty obscure one that, hey, bring them into the spotlight. A little less obscure than Madman, but hey. Number 27. I name dropped him earlier. Azrael. Or number 29. What did I say, 27? Number 29. I named dropped him earlier. Azrael. The look. The style. The sword. The relationship with Batman. The backstory. It would be an absolute crime if Azrael was not in the roster of Injustice 3. Plus, he's like... Injustice is one of the only games I can think of where they don't really have a dedicated sword character. You know? Which is kind of a standard in freaking fighting games, except for like Street Fighter, you know? Like you got Yoshimitsu, you got Soul Calibur, you got all these different characters. It'd be cool to have a sword character on the game, and plus he has all those freaking, you know, the Batman style kind of martial arts moveset. Azrael, just, he's got everything going for him. I don't even think he's appeared in the comics. He would be a fantastic addition to the Injustice 3 roster. And, number 30. Maybe the most controversial edition, but bear with me here. The Batman Who Laughs. That's right. He, now he's, he's graduated from just being a secondary costume. Now, the Batman Who Laughs is his own dedicated, fully fleshed out character. The final member of the launch roster, and he would be an unadvertised question mark on the select screen. You would unlock him by playing the story, probably during Harley Quinn's chapter. At some point, maybe she gets sprayed in the face by a uh, frickin' uh, Scarecrow, and then she's hallucinating, and then she has to fight the Joker, and then she has to fight Batman, and then the Batman who laughs. I imagine he would play as an unholy mix of the original Batman, Spawn, and the Joker. And I just, I mean, the Batman who laughs, he's... Apparently, because I'm not a big, I don't watch or read a lot of comic books, to be honest. Apparently, the comic books are actually kind of lackluster, but he's got such a presence, such a look to him, such a style, that he would make, I think he would be a pretty damn cool addition to the cast as just a his own dedicated character. So, yeah. Number 30, the final base roster member, the Batman Who Laughs. So, now that the base roster is established, it is now time to move on to the DLC. And you'll be able to see by what I describe. I'm kind of following the unjust, uh, not the just the NRS formula of DLC characters. So, DLC number one. Johnny Cage. I don't know why I had it with a cadence, but yeah, Johnny Cage. We've gotten the three biggest superhero-esque names out of the way in terms of DLC characters already. 
with Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Raiden. So they got the superpowers, they got the look, they got the style. So the next uh, choice for an MK crossover was pretty limited. You have to go either Liu Kang, Sonya, or Johnny. Those are really the only... Unless you wanted to go with like Reptile or Ermac or something, but that'd be kind of lazy, and those guys aren't as big of a deal as someone like Johnny. And plus, with the inevitable Johnny Cage debut in the second Mortal Kombat, the second modern Mortal Kombat movie, it would make a lot of sense. A lot of groundswell around Johnny right now. Cage would thrive among the superheroes and supervillains of the DC world with his personality, his supernatural abilities, his dick punching. Johnny Cage was able to beat up an elder god, and in the right hands, he could projectile spam with the best of them. I think that his moveset, being able to like either stay back and toss balls, or be able to drop down underneath projectiles, or freaking zoom for and get at people, I think Johnny would fit in style-wise, and personality-wise, and gameplay-wise, and all that good stuff, with the likes of the Injustice people. And plus, I think he would have some fun gear, you know? I would love to see Johnny Cage... Well, he already has fun gear in uh, in MK11, but you get what I mean. The gear system, I think, would treat Johnny pretty well. So, yeah. I think, he would, uh, I think Johnny Cage would be a great selection for a DLC character. A Mortal Kombat crossover DLC character. And also, could you imagine the freaking banter that Johnny Cage and Peacemaker would have? Hot damn. Number two for the DLC characters. Nuclear Man. Nuclear Man! One of the lamest, but also kind of fun villains in the Superman rogues gallery. Superman, uh, Nuclear Man made his debut in Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Peace? The Quest for Peace. Which was the movie for children about nuclear disarmament and whether Superman has the right to play God. Nuclear, Man, nuclear Man's powers are pretty much identical to Superman, except he also has super fingernails, shoots nuclear lightning, and sounds like Lex Luthor. You can even bring back the freaking Lex Luthor voice actor from Injustice 1 and just have him be the same thing. I think diehard fans would like Nuclear Man, get a kick out of him, and some of the younger members of the audience might even think he's an OC. You know, they're like, oh, they made a new character for the game? That's crazy. And then they look into it, and maybe they, maybe we'd get some, DL, some DVD sales out of Superman 4 out of this, all right? So everybody wins. And again, he's an, a rather relatively obscure character they could pull in and give some of the spotlight to. Because isn't that what modern freaking, you know, modern comic book movies are about? We've wrung out all the freaking super well-known, really established characters, bring in some more of the obscure, obscure ones, and maybe they'll hit. Like freaking, remember the Guardians of the Galaxy? No one had ever heard of them. No one gave a damn about the Guardians of the Galaxy until Chris Pratt and freaking Zoe Zeldana stepped onto the screen, and now it's like, well, they're the biggest things on the planet. I'm going to go on a quick aside after I finish this, all right? So, DLC number three, Judge Dredd. One of the biggest names in third-party comics. Joseph, Judge Joseph Dredd is a natural choice for the bleak and gritty, but still fantastical setting of the Injustice world. With his lavish and in elaborate costume, his ability to dole out pain, his knack for getting things done while not going down easy. All that, plus his previous stints alongside Batman, Dredd would shoot, bash, and abuse his way through the Injustice roster with a scowl on his face. And hey, they've already, <laughs> they've already got frickin' Stallone to help out with the with, with MK11. 
Maybe get him for this one. Nah, don't do that. If anything, get Carl Urban. And realistically, it would just get a, a voice actor, but still. Yeah, Judge Dredd, I think, would be a great addition. It's like, oh, another gunman? It's like, yeah, it's Injustice. All right, calm down. Yeah, they're going to have plenty of gunmans. Or gunmen, or whatever the hell you want to call them, right? I bet Judge Dredd would probably play more like the Punisher than the Pe- than Peacemaker would. Or would he? I don't know. Let's just say that he... Yeah, Judge Dredd would probably play more like... Actually, no, because Judge Dredd has like, a lot more like gear and stuff than Peacemaker does. So Peacemaker would probably be more like... Uh, uh, Punisher and I don't know, Judge Dredd would probably be something like my mind's going to Sonya, but that's not right anyway, moving on, moving on and the number four final DLC character make people pay for what they've been wanting this whole time, make make them pay for it they've been begging, they've been screaming, they've been pleading it's like Molina, it's like Molina MK11 we weren't going to put her in there, we never intended to put her in there, but hey does people just want her so damn bad? fine, but you gotta pay the last and final DLC character for at least at launch, Beast Boy. The only member of the Teen Titans not yet to make his appearance in Injustice games. And probably the single most requested character of the DLC, uh, DLC of the DC lore in Injustice. Beast Boy would be a force to be reckoned with between his hand-to-hand skills and his ability to shapeshift into animals which would obviously be his primary appeal. BB combos where you freaking start off as a charging rhino, then ragdoll them around as a gorilla, then ground bounce them into a grab as an ostrich, while then transforming in, transitioning into a super where he grabs and bites you as a bear, then tosses you into the air, and as you come down, he turns into a mule and kicks you, and then you land on the ground, he sits on your head while turning into as a triceratops. Beast Boy's moveset would be the shit. And again, people have wanted him for so damn long, and he is the last member of the Teen Titans to not be in this freaking game. Or at the very least, the series. Remember, Raven wasn't the first one, Starfire was in the second one, Cyborg's been in all of them, Robin's been in all of them. Get Beast Boy in there. Yes, it would be a pain in the butt to have all the different animal models switching in and out, and it would be like a whole thing. But it'd be worth it, and again, people would be paying for it. So hey, money, 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 gotta spend it to make it. So yeah. That is my current pitch roster that I would put in there and maybe throw in a couple more here or there if someone, you know, chimes up in the in the uh chimes in in the meeting room is like, hey, what about frickin' Durr? You know? But that's I think it's pretty solid roster for now. Now as for other stuff. There's a couple other things that I would tweak, add in, add to, etc. First off, I would be really down for the gear system they implemented in 2 to continue more or less as it is, right? Being able to fashion souls your character and mix and match different pieces of armor to get the look you want, or acquiring a full set of every piece, or a a full set of uh, a set, every piece of a set in order to, you know, get like a bigger buff. That's cool. I like that. That's good stuff. And honestly, that... It makes uh, Injustice 2 the closest thing to a dungeon crawler that I'll play. I'm not a huge fan of those kind of dungeon crawler, Diablo kind of games. Like, I tried to play Diablo. I've tried to, I tried to play uh, Hades, a couple other games that would generally qualify. Wasn't a huge fan, but I didn't hate it, you know. I know, but so yeah, Injustice 2, this that bleh, is the closest thing to a dungeon crawler I've ever played. And so I'd be down for that kind of stuff to continue, you know. 
it, like some people were kind of torn on the gear. You know, some people just didn't like that it had people. Some people preferred if they would just be alternate costumes, which I can't wholeheartedly disagree with. Because I, I like the whole, I like having actual design, dedicated costume, you know. And then there are people who didn't like that it gave you new abilities. There are people who didn't like that it messed with your stats. I honestly think it's fine because in like online competitive, I'm pretty sure you could still use the abilities, but the the gear change, like the stat changes, were not applied. Those were only single player stuff, so I think that's fine. Uh, and as for the changing of the abilities, I think it's fine as long as there's like a little heads up on the select, uh, like on the versus screen. So it's like, you know, Superman versus Harley Quinn. You can see next to Harley Quinn, there's like a little, a little box that says "freaking cupcake cannon cancel" or whatever, and you're like, okay, so she might cancel the cupcake cannon, which she normally can't do that, right? I think as long as you have that, it's totally fine. How to improve it? Honestly, they kind of nailed it. Like they, they updated it a couple times. Uh, post-release, but by the time the game ended, they had kind of nailed it. The, the being able to glamour your stuff, the augments, the bonuses for the whole set, while also not penalizing you for mixing and matching, uh, shaders, all that good stuff. I think they pretty much nailed it. The only other thing I could think of in terms of like appearance would be like if you choose different textures or materials. I mean, that that's a little overboard. If I had to pitch one... I have to change one thing about the gear system... I would actually add more abilities attached to the gear system. Like, the first thing that came to my mind was, what if equipping a specific piece of gear gave you an assist? Like, if you have, like, a laser pointer gauntlet for Harley, you could freaking bring in Cheetah as your striker, or something like that, you know? And you could only have one assist per character, of course. That's not going crazy here. But I, I think that'd be good. I, I think that'd be fun. It'd basically give you, like, an extra move to your repertoire, and it would be kind of a good way to shoehorn in some other non-canon characters or whatever that didn't make the actual roster. Like, you know, you could have an, you could have an item that only Harley gets that, well, like it's a laser pointer where it freaking brings Cheetah in, she goes, bam, and attacks them or whatever, right? Or, like, a, a thing that only Superman gets where it freaking brings in Bizarro and he does a freaking flying punch, stuff like that, you know? And that way it would be like, it would be a special augment, or specially change, a special modifier, variant, whatever, specifically for that character. And again, like I said, you would get like a, uh, in multiplayer and all that, you would get like a heads up on the screen. It's like, has fucking shitheads helmets on. And then you'd be like, okay, they have shitheads helmet, which means they're going to have that assist, right? I think that'd be fine. Uh, and I think that would also, again, it would be a good way to incorporate some extra characters and a good way to help continue to vary it. Because that's one thing that uh, NRS is very good with, is being able to vary up and make your characters different. Make everyone feel special and unique, and also like be able to be like, I like playing Harley, but I really wish that I had another projectile for her. Or, I like Superman, but I, I don't really use the command grab, so I wish I could replace it with something. Stuff like that, right? And especially with Mortal Kombat, because that's been a thing since Mortal Kombat Four, like NRS has been on the freaking front of being able to take a character you like and mix them up and make them more unique and make them more special, uh, different, give you more variations per character, right? The like MK versus DCU didn't really have that. MK Nine didn't have that, but the rest of them, pretty much every other game they've made since the 3D era began, they've had that. Wasn't there some... Oh, any fucking combat codes. 
Like, I know that's not the same thing. It's definitely not even close to the same thing. But even MK3, Ultimate MK3, I think it was, you had combat codes, which would vary up the game, vary up characters, and make crazy shit happen, right? So I think like that kind of addition to the gear system would be a good thing and kind of a natural thing. And again, as long as you didn't go too crazy with it, as long as it wasn't like freaking, uh, you know, only Batman can get the Brainiac ship that freaking does a big beam and does half the half your own. So not not nothing crazy like that. And again, stuff that you would get a heads up about on like the select screen or whatever. So it's not a surprise, right? Another thing I would add in that would go along very well with the theming of the story is tag or co-op. The option to have two characters on your side that switch in and out. How the tags would actively work, tags could be done in one of three ways. And again, remember, I'm just going kind of off the top, not quite off the top of my head, but, you know, obviously I haven't tested all this shit. Right? So tags could ha- uh, actively work in one of three ways. In a modified throw, where it's something as simple as you go to throw them and you hold right bumper, and then at the end of the animation, you switch out and your partner comes in. After a super. In this mode, if you have a partner, you can automatically switch uh, out of a... Number two, after a super. In this mode, if you have a partner, you can automatically switch out with the successful landing of a super move, once again, by something simple like holding RB when you activate it, something like that. And number three, with a stage transition. This would be automatic. If you knock your opponent through stage transition, your partner is just sitting there waiting for them on the other side. And the way you do these so you can't just like tag out at random is very specific because, alluding to what I mentioned earlier, the idea of co-op. I'm not. I'm talking like, say you've got Superman and Batman versus Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn, right? All four of those people are controlled by somebody else. And this wouldn't be like the default. This would be an option, right? So you could still just have two controlled by the same person. But so you'd have Superman would be person A, Batman would be person B, Harley C, Wonder Woman D. And then, because then if you could just tag in and out, then that might fuck them up real hard. Because it's like, oh, you're in the middle of a combo, you knocked them down, suddenly tagged out. Oh shit, I had my controller set down or whatever, right? By having the throw, transition, and supers, those all give your partner at least a second of heads up. It's like, yo, pick up the controller, get ready. And also, I imagine it would also help with, like, connectivity errors and all that. So that you don't just have to, boom, just in an instant, the server has to go to another person. You ha- It has a second of buffer time. So that's why those are set that way. And yeah, so... Ha- yeah, having an actual second player, so there's two people on each team controlling each of the, ca- of the four characters. And also, you would have your own life bar. Once it's depleted, one character's out. And in tag matches, instead of losing your first health bar and then standing back up, whoever dies, they're just gone. And then their their a, a partner comes back in as long as they still have health. And then maybe even, you know, they come in and can act as strikers. But if they decide to act as a striker and come in, then they are unable to be tagged in for 10, 15 seconds or something like that, you know. 2v2. Online lobbies or couch co-op with a friend or with a random. So, you know, you can be sitting next to each other. Each of you has a controller. It's like, okay, I'm going to start off. And then, you know, I'm going to pass it back to you and back and forth, back and forth. And that way you can have, you can either have just the one player controls two characters. You have your little team, you know, you, you know, Batman, Superman, 
or whatever. In the lobby, it's you and a random, it's you and a friend, or it's you and the person sitting next to you. I think having that option would, A, dramatically change the competitive scene. Because then you would have a team competitive scene and a freaking singles competitive scene. Because then you could have, like, oh, teams of two. And then you could have, like, oh, brackets with tag teams and stuff. It's basically like a tag teams versus just singles, right? And it would also, you know, it would help get new players, new crappy players into the game because... You know, you get the guy who is barely, who just like, I like superheroes and I don't give a shit about fighting games. And then you pair him with the guy who has played every NRS game and, you know, also plays Street Fighter and Guilty Gear. And so it's like, okay, but buddy, just hop in the lobby with me and I'll, I will do my best to carry you. So that would also help. And I just think it would be really, because I can't think of another game, uh, uh, like current game that is. I, I know that it's, it's been a thing in the past. There's no current games that do anything similar to that. So it'd be it would also be very unique and it would go again go theming of the game because you know the freaking Batman cabal having to learn to work as a team, you know. So yeah. 2v2 with co-op. Or tag or whatever you want to call it. Well, co-op and tag I guess given the situation. And all that being said, again, this would obviously be a secondary option. The 1v1 would still be the absolute standard, but 2v2 would be a an option, you know? So, last thing I would add is I would want to make the mother boxes a tad bit more interesting. Give Injustice their own version of the crypt. How would I do this? It's simple. A superhuman casino run by the one and only Veronica Sinclair. Instead of just click box, get stuff, maybe you sit down on a slot machine and you have a 50-50 chance to get something above a common. You go to a roulette table. Now you have a 60-40 chance of getting something above a rare. You go to a poker table. You have a 70-30 getting something above a legendary. You go to the fighting pits. And either you bet on AI fights or an actual real online versus match. And you can just bet on who you think is going to win. And then get stuff depending on how your bet goes. You know, maybe even like it's something along the lines of you get the money right. You get your freaking injustice tokens. And you don't actually like spend right you don't actually make bets it's just a, a front or maybe you do actually make bets the slot machine would obviously just straight up just be it's like you know press button do 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 bing and you get you will get something right and then the roulette table maybe it's like you bet on red black or yellow or not red black or yellow red black or green and depending on what your bet is if that hits that's what you'll get right something like that i don't know yeah, anyway, just the idea is the the window dressing, the idea that rather than just having like, oh, I have 400 mother boxes, I'm just going to hit ding, 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 and burn through them. Like, you know, opening card packs, which I know opening card packs is one of the most profitable, easiest, but it's also kind of boring. Take it to a casino. Superhuman casino. Where again, you always win. It's just a matter of how much you win. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. Just make it a little in more interesting. Make it more fun than a pack. Just opening a pack of cards, and then you can have some fun with the setting. You know, maybe over in the corner, Solomon Grundy, Bizarro, and freaking Lex Luthor, Luthor's corpse are playing uh, freaking poker. You can look over at them, and they're like talking shit about Superman. And then you know, maybe the, the freaking slot machines are all themed after DC villains, and maybe I don't know stuff like that. Stuff like that. You can have fun with it. 
just better than just opening up boxes. So, now with all those put out there, all those ideas, all those concepts put out there, what do you think? This is obviously just a rough, generalized outline of what I would do. But what do you think of my fantasy version of Injustice? Do you like the roster? What do you think of the idea of the 2 versus 2 co-op? Should Superman murder Batman and act one of the story? Let me know how you feel. Now, all that said, and kind of going back to the very, very, very beginning of the episode where I was talking about Johnny Cage and the possibility of Mortal Kombat 12 versus the possibility of Injustice 3, there's one more very realistic option out there. And that is, what if the NRS team wasn't making Mortal Kombat 12? And they're not making Injustice 3. They're making Mortal Kombat versus DCU 2. I mean, Injustice has been a hit. Mortal Kombat's been a hit. MK versus DCU 1 sold like fucking hotcakes. It reviewed poorly, like, uh, critically. But, and it's looked back upon like, oh god, what was that fucking thing? But it did well. And I think everybody agrees that Injustice and Mortal Kombat are both great. And it, it, they sure, certainly wouldn't go back to the, you know, punch them over a cliff and then punch them downwards and the the grabby, guessy thing. It would be polished, 2D, good shit this time around. And maybe that's what they're, they're talking Maybe that's what they're working on. But maybe that's a subject for another day. So don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can hear every single episode as soon as it comes out. Next week, I think, is going to be a good one. I think that you will enjoy it if you are a Mortal Kombat buff. Until next time, everybody out there, keep up the combat.